Hello and welcome to the Addiction Podcast. I'm your host Charlotte Henry and I'm back. Yes, had a couple of weeks off and I hope you enjoyed uh, those old episodes we surfing. Uh, they're great chats with both Shannon Morse and Nick Riley. But I'm back. Now, it's not quite an emergency episode. I wouldn't go that far. But it's slight, certainly one that's uh, dealing with stuff that's happening almost in real time. And that is, of course, Elon Musk imposing farther, uh, slightly balmy changes to Twitter. And no, we are not calling it X on this show. I'm not playing that game. Uh, there was, of course, only one person I could drag back to discuss all this with, and it's Chris Stoker-Walker. Hello, Chris. Hello. Drag back is the key word, I think, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I had to haul you kicking and screaming onto the show. Elon, don't want to talk about Elon anymore. I know. I'm sorry. I, sorry to put you through this. I'll pay for the therapy bill. Right. So where quite do we start? In the time since we last discussed Twitter, uh, it's no longer called Twitter. It's called X. Mm. And that seems to be Apple actually letting a bit of one of its rule slides. Because as I understand, you're not really meant to have a one name or one letter, one symbol uh, name for your app on the App Store. So that's happening. The app looks horrible on your phone, but we're not going to worry about that. What we're going to talk about is how really it's affecting journalism, because there's some key things that have happened. First of all, in response to some like, Tes I think it was called Tesla Silicon Valley or something, the Twitter yeah. account, uh, responding to that about why you shouldn't mute someone. Elon Musk decided that they're going to remove the block feature mm. on Twitter. He said there's no need to block anyone. I can think of multiple reasons why there are, is a need yeah. to block anyone. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to uh, humiliate the intelligence of my listeners by actually going through why you might want to block someone as, even as opposed to mute them. You've also got now, the day we're recording this, uh, there's a threat to get rid of the headlines on news articles on Twitter. Hmm. We, we've already had the Substack. There was a threat of this, wasn't there, with the row with Substacks when notes came out, where like the preview of anything that was .substack.com disappeared. So yeah. there was already a threat of this going on. We've had, obviously, the launch of threads, which really obviously wound Twitter up. Um, we're not going to talk about the Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk, cage bike, because neither no. of us have the stomach for that. Um, have I missed anything in this crazy? What have we got? Where else have we got? Um, I don't think so. Although, I mean, he does just say stuff a lot. So Yes, I, I want to come on to that. Yeah, there's very possibly that we have missed something in amongst Elon Musk's... I don't know. I don't know whether he just... If he tweeted on the toilet or what, but... That's a lovely image. Thank you so much for yeah, showing that, welcome. Chris. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, the, uh, of course, the other thing, which is actually I meant to say, which directly affected me actually today, which has slightly tipped me over the edge with all of this, is that now if you don't have the verified service, Twitter Blue X Premium, is that what they're calling it now? Yeah. You cannot DM someone that doesn't follow you. Is that right? Or do they, if you're both verified? Oh, uh, God. I mean, if you're both verified, I think so, but I refuse to give Elon Musk my money. So yeah, no, I, I, I haven't paid for it either. Basically, but I found I... I tried to DM someone to invite them on this show. Mm. Uh, neither of us are verified, and I was unable to DM them. So what you're saying is I'm the second choice, Charlotte, really, is what's happening. No, this no. is for a different topic. <laughs> it was a different topic. No, I know. Um, but no, There's no one else I want to torture by discussing Elon Musk with than you. You're oh, top thanks. of the list for that. That's, that, I mean, that. that's not a compliment, but okay. <laughs> um, but I think and that actually is a really important one for the way that journalism works. Yes. Certainly, you know, I teach journalism to journalism students and I started 
this academic year um, telling my students, I'm going to teach you about Twitter, but I don't know if it will exist because we started the term right at the time that Elon Musk took over the platform and started making all of these weird changes way back in October. And so you know, I would teach journalist students how I do journalism, which is, um, you know, I often find that it's the quickest way of getting in touch with potential sources because of the fact that if you send them a tweet, then as long as they haven't done something weird to their notifications, it will pop up on their home screen on their phone, which is invariably right within their reach to say someone has tweeted at you. And you can then push them to a DM message, which can then move to a, a phone conversation, which is where you can then start to verify whether they're real people or not. But the, the DM bit is the vital thing. And, and anybody who wants to learn how the journalistic sausage is made on how I do stuff, you only need to look at my replies tab on Twitter to see that yeah, every day I'm sending maybe five or ten or maybe sometimes more tweets to people saying, hi, could I get a DM, please? I'd love to talk to you about a story that I'm writing. Yep. And that's how I did it. And obviously now I've had to change that ever so slightly. So now it's, can I get a follow and a DM? Because we have to now both, both follow each other. Each other yeah. to do that. I, the one thing that struck me about this, apart from it being deeply, deeply irritating and inconvenient, is that... It takes away user choice because it is absolutely possible in your settings to not allow anyone that you do not follow to DM you. Mm. Perfect. Like very easy to do. Lots of users do it and that's totally fine. But this is Twitter making that choice for you. Yeah, and it's also a bit of shrinkflation in an odd way, which is what we're all encountering at the minute in terms of kind of, you know, the, you know, issues of inflation and contracting economy. Elon Musk is essentially stripping features out of Twitter at the same time as holding a gun to our head and saying, look, you really ought to pay for my platform, which is just a, a dumb way of doing stuff because ultimately if you make the user experience worse, users who already weren't going to pay you for that will be even less likely to pay you. So I think and might just your... go off the platform altogether. Yeah. So yes, there's all of that. And I do want to come actually to the, the key principle of this, which is Yes, there may be plenty of reasons why previously or even now you wanted to pay for Twitter. It's not mm. so expensive. You might consider it good value for X, Y, Z. I want to come on to TweetDeck as well, which is hugely important to newsrooms and has mm. now again gone behind the Twitter paywall. So there may be reasons you want to pay for things. And we can even let's mitigate the fact that people having a blue tick has gone from being a status symbol to actually something that goes against you. Let's move all of that aside for the moment. What I find deeply irksome about all of this is that the people creating value on the platform, i.e. the people that put content on the platform, whether that's sharing your story, a journalist's story, being an influencer and sharing products that you like, just sharing a funny joke or a meme, we are creating the value on Twitter. If no one posts stuff on Twitter, it has no value. Yeah, And therefore... But I don't see why I should have to pay to provide value. Uh, but then because you potentially could get, if you are favoured by Elon Musk and you get enough views on your tweets, the fancy payouts that all of these ah, people yes. are getting. We have seen some um, users getting quite significant advertising payouts and you can decide for yourself whether you trust that to continue on a consistent and non-arbitrary basis. That's, again, for verified users. But let, let's go back to this point about how journalism functions. Mm. So we've discussed the DM problem, which is a real thing. 
Mm. Um, let's talk about TweetDeck actually, because lots of newsrooms, lots of journalists used to use TweetDeck, which for if people don't know, I'm sure most of my listeners do. It was a tool that was not invented by Twitter itself back in the old days, but they then bought it. And yep. you could set up different columns to see what was going on, you know, your home screen, uh, your ats and replies. Maybe you would be following a hashtag if that was a key thing going on during the day. Uh, maybe some topics you liked. So I, and also maybe lists you created. I created lists of people didn't necessarily want to follow, but was interested in the conversation they were having, say, lots of tech people. And so you could do all sorts of things. And it was really important to how journalists tried to keep up with some of the stuff that was going on. And lots of newsrooms, you know, it was an important part of some of their stories and processes. That's gone behind a paywall. Mm, it has. Now, I didn't I didn't use TweetDeck all that much. I did occasionally use it um, as a kind of way of, particularly when there were fast-moving news events, right. generally stuff that wasn't in the tech world but something that would happen in real life you know god forbid a terrorist attack or like a, a live news event or something like that it was mm -hmm. a very easy way to kind of get a twenty thousand foot view of what was going on on the platform mm -hmm. and to pick out relevant stuff but obviously as you say this was a kind of crucial part of a lot of newsrooms you know ways of existing and finding those stories and in some ways that's fine so if you're a news organization you can pay for twitter doesn't matter or not if you're verified you can pay for it and get access to tweet if it's mm. that important to you but there are individual journalists for who that might be less enticing for various reasons both in terms of cost and the aforementioned kind of social status now that comes with having that blue tick. Yeah, and this is the thing, I think, is all of the changes that Elon Musk has made come down to his very specific view of how people use Twitter. And it's, it's, it's that kind of classic view of there is this person who has been told for most of his business life that he is hyper intelligent and he knows everything and he knows the best way of doing stuff whereas actually and, and has we should say built hugely successful companies yeah and has although the the fact is that the the more that this goes on the more you have to wonder is that a benefit of circumstance and actually it was it was in spite of elon musk rather than because of elon musk that he had these successes but the the kind of like Midas touch effect or the kind of like you know tech bro genius thing that you know these people often surround themselves with means that they have a often quite myopic view of how these things work based mm -hmm. on their own lived experiences. And so I think probably to Elon Musk, every single journalist is, you know, a massive corporation that can afford this sort of stuff. They have the advertising budgets to spend on this they have the subscription you know cash to to sort of throw at these sorts of things whereas in reality the media industry is going completely the other way where we have lots more freelancers lots more independent journalists who are doing stuff outside of the remit of these big tech organizations of these big organizations and don't have the money to spend on frankly you know a system or a tool that continues to not work so well yeah and it's also particularly important, I think, for freelancers or stuff like that, which who are not maybe necessarily in a position to pay for those services or it's not useful enough. And, you know, it just has a detrimental effect. And again, just breaks how people are doing something 
and not only get value from the platform, but I really think it does detract from how people can provide value to the platform. Mm, and that's but, the thing, yeah, because it is right. Like this is this is the benefit of it is the for your thesis, which is completely correct, of this idea of we are the people, the users are the people that kind of give Twitter its value. We have to have reasons to stick around, and it's not just kind of like the the fact of whether other users are being civil or whether there's other stuff that we find particularly interesting that is on there and that keeps us there. It's the kind of broader ecosystem. And so if you if your app starts breaking a little bit, then you're less likely to come back. If your tweet deck suddenly goes behind a paywall and this thing that you used to paying for that you used to for getting for free, now you have to pay for and actually it's materially worse. You, you're less likely to kind of integrate and feel willing to to contribute, I suppose, to this. Yeah. Uh, another key part of how Twitter is messing around with journalism in particular, uh, I mentioned it on the top of the show, is that there now appears to be a change or Elon Musk wants a change so that it affects how news looks appear. So you're not going to see the headline um, or some text of the story. I think you'll just see a picture Mm. Um, that leads to the news story. Um, yeah. I think part of it is, again, to keep users on the platform. That's how Reuters are seeing it. Again, obviously, it all comes back to premium subscriptions as well. Um, yeah. This, to me, seems... Re <laughs> okay, I could make a really positive case for this. Yeah. Because you could say, oh, great, if you can't see the headlines, there'll be li less clickbaity rubbish. Hmm. Hmm. I, one, I don't think that's why Elon Musk is advocating for this, first of all. Second of all, I think this could reduce nuance and context of a story so greatly that it could cause some real problems. Hmm. And it's worth bearing in mind the historical reason why these link cards were introduced way back when. It was done when Twitter still had that 140 character limit. And so it was really difficult to kind of get a lot of that nuance into a story. If you try and think about packing in some of the detail that you have in a traditional, maybe 800 word, 500 word, whatever it is, news story into 140 characters is incredibly difficult to do. And so the link card and the, the displaying of both the headline and the stand first or the deck, whatever you want to call it, the little bit underneath essentially the, the subheading or the subtitle for a, a piece of journalism kind of allowed um, additional context to be put in. So you could add, for instance, commentary to your original tweets while maintaining the, the having the confidence, I suppose, that the headline and the stand first would be displayed mm -hmm. in the link card. And getting rid of that as you say, removes a lot of that kind of space, even though you have a higher number of characters to play with on your tweets. But and it, even more characters, of course, if yeah, you pay. Yeah, if you pay, yeah. And that's the thing. But it also, it, it concerns me in a number of different ways because you have to always bear in mind with these things. And, and this is something that, like, it's weird because Elon Musk has a very, very... I can't remember whether I'm allowed to swear on this podcast or not. <sighs> has a very shit postery view of the internet right you know, I that. Yeah, yeah that i think that i was gonna bring up the issue of him my sense that he's just trolling us and we'll come yeah. on to that but please continue so so he has this view of of the internet which is kind of formed through that idea of trolls and and, and, and shit posters and so it it means that like he's not naive to how this could be used just to explain 
briefly to people what that means. Basically, it's his idea that basically you just post stuff to wind people up, basically. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not saying that Elon Musk is a 4chan user or anything like that, but it's born out of those sorts of places that like to try and cause havoc. Yeah. If you want to know more about this stuff, by the way, how that, you know, that kind of 4chan culture and how that led to QAnon, please listen to the episode I did with James Ball, mm. who wrote a book on this. I mean, again, we're not saying that that's what Elon Musk is about. No. But, but there is he's... a culture that he yeah. seems to wink and nudge at, isn't, doesn't that? Yeah, he's a, he's a mischief maker and he, he does use memes and phrases mm -hmm. that are linked to that sort of stuff. So he's not naive to the fact that these things exist. And because of that, you always have to bear in mind and you know, we see this with the rise of kind of generative AI and stuff. A lot of these companies are doing what's called red teaming, which is you essentially you try and think of the worst possible way that features can be used, and then mitigate against that. And and the idea that Elon Musk has not thought about what removing essentially the details of a particular link beyond the URL, and it's only the first part of the URL will do, seems really naive to me because you only need to look at, for instance, a Rick rolling, right? Like it's it's in inevitable that someone somewhere will do a version of this where they post, I don't know, on a WordPress that they have, um, a story or a link to a video that you don't want to see it could be could be rick astley it could be something really grisly it could be something horrible and then they put as the featured image of that page something completely innocuous and suddenly so, you're thinking i'm clicking on a picture here that's going to show me i don't know a website which is going to be about on. a blog post that's going yeah. to it's going to be completely fine yeah and then it's something people have different. been trying this already yeah yeah i mean this is the thing but it's 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 deliberately removing context that doesn't need to be removed. Elon Musk's argument is that it it will essentially, um, and, and this has been shown because Kylie Robinson from Fortune first reported this, Elon Musk then confirmed on Twitter, and um, Kylie's story for Fortune says Elon Musk wants to essentially remove the height from tweets individually so that you can see more on a, oh. a screen and like to do that fine but like is that so you can get more ads in yeah basically i think as right. far as i can tell and so like to do that while removing a lot of nuance just seems counterproductive for what he wants to do to me which is really really bizarre yeah again for me it comes back to this point sort of if you make the platform less and yes usable and less and less pleasant a place to be, mm. less and less people will be there, and therefore advertisers will be less and less interested in spending money on it. Yeah, and poor uh, Linda Yaccarino is stuck here now. Well, to come to the come to this clown show, which has you know one limping clown. I I have said on a previous show when I had to do another an emergency, oh my god, Elon episode. I'm not sure how long she's going to last. Mm. She's trying to keep show face at the moment she's done a pretty good loyalty act i'm not sure how long that lasts mm. because everything to me comes down to this idea of elon musk just being a troll and trying to wind people up so for example having announced seen you know put this tweet out saying he thinks blocking shouldn't be necessary he has then tweeted i think he blocked uh, an actor yeah. called James Woods and then tweeted pretty fun blocking people who complain that blocking is going away. How does the medicine taste? Laughing emoji, laughing emoji. It's all a wind up. It is. And more importantly than that actor, he also blocked cat turd. 
he blocked the 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 user who he has essentially hitched his wagon to since taking over one of his biggest fans captured he blocked him and, and look this is it's it's this really childish thing that he does right it, it's the it's the punching you in the face and then saying stop hitting yourself or something like that like it it, it just it's very childish yeah it doesn't make sense and it's it kind of i don't know it's it's difficult to discern this sort of stuff there's a really interesting um piece in the new yorker by ronan farrow who, who's kind of delved into i think he did like a hundred plus interviews i haven't read the whole story because it's, it's long and i've been busy um but he, he delved into like a hundred interviews with people who have had connections to elon musk about a little bit about the psyche of mm. him and it's really difficult because you don't know and i frankly i still often think elon musk doesn't really know what he's doing and doesn't know what he's going to do next um but it, it kind of you know the bits that i've read so far give a kind of interesting insight as to quite why he has this really juvenile approach to things and, and gives you a bit of i don't know a bit of a flavor of the man more than we maybe get otherwise mm, that's interesting we'll link to that in the show notes uh while outlining all these ways you and i think uh that twitter is damaging both news the, the act of collecting news and building you know contacting sources and so on and and also the act of consuming news yeah. Uh, Elon Musk tweeted on August the 21st, if you're a journalist who wants more freedom to write and a higher income, then publish directly on this platform. Hmm. Forgive yeah. me for not shutting down my Substack and WordPress immediately and doing this. Well, you also, you also added afterwards, well, he, actually, no, that's not true. He said back in April that next month, meaning May, he would roll out micropayments, which is obviously the most relevant useful way of making journalism work. so that would be oh you like this tweet yeah or this longer extended art tweet that's essentially a short article yeah um you i'm gonna pay two pounds to read it yeah which is a, a model that has historically proven to not work multiple it's not the first time that people have tried this lots and lots of mm. companies have uh, offered the micropayments model um there's some in kind of continental Europe that still uses news publishers who have managed to kind of make it work. But I think, I think I can't remember. There's a, there's a company I think called Agate or something like that, which has tried this in the, in the West. I know Pop Bitch, which is a really interesting newsletter, does have a micropayment system, but you people use coffee and things like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So th those things can work, but like as a wide scale thing, it hasn't worked, but more fundamentally, Elon Musk announced in April he'd be rolling this out next and month. And did he, Chris? Well, spoiler alert, no. Oh. And that's kind of the the thing. You know, we, we have Elon Musk announcing all this stuff. And actually, I'm going to cause havoc for your show notes, Charlotte. There's a really interesting story in Rolling Stone by uh, Miles Clee, who's a really good journalist, who's done like a master list of all of the things that Elon Musk said he would do and then didn't do, uh. not just across Twitter, but across his whole career. So, you know, I think, again... Coming back to that point, as you said, if Elon Musk says to you, you want more freedom, you want a higher income, publish direct on this platform, you kind of go, well, you know, where's the contract that will hold you to that? You know, this is a man who right. earlier this month said he would, you know, finance the legal fees of people who felt yes. they had lost their jobs through Twitter and the things they posted on Twitter. Yeah, posting embarrassing things on Twitter and then that had come back to bite them and they got fired or whatever. 
Not really sure that's happened. Haven't seen anybody come out of the woodwork and say Elon Musk did fund my legal fees. So it's kind of a, a another example of a jam tomorrow promise that he doesn't really hold. Yeah, I, it's hard to trust it. So let, before we wrap up the show, let's take, as you described it, a 20,000 foot view of Twitter's place in journalism now. Mm. If all these things come to pass, so the DM thing has come to pass, let's assume for now the blocking thing happens i'm not sure it will happen because i think apple might then put its foot down because i think mm. apple's rules for an app on the app store say you do have to be able to yeah. block people so it wouldn't surprise me if it, they sort of played along with the silly name thing yeah. but at that point might go absolutely not Are you want yeah. an app on an app store you can't you don't get rid of blocking mm. uh, so that might not happen but let's assume it does and let's assume that this headline change happens. I suspect that will happen. They showed already they were pretty happy to do it, as I mentioned, with Substack once notes came out. Mm. Um, what does this mean for journalism? Is it going to give us all a kick up the backside because we've become too reliant on Twitter? Or is it actually going to cause some real problems to the quality of reporting that we can do? Or I both? Think, I think both. I think, I think it will slow down the act of reporting which is not necessarily a bad thing um mm -hmm. and yeah particularly ironically when we talk about elon musk is the media has gone into a cycle which is very trumpian of yes someone says something stupid we know it's not really true we know it's not really going to happen lots of people will report it the perfect example is and i know we said we wouldn't talk about this but i'm gonna talk about it is the the cage fight very briefly um okay. so elon musk tweeted about a couple of weeks ago or maybe a week ago i can't remember what is time anymore um that um he talked to um the prime minister of italy and also the culture minister and that they'd agreed a a, a location for the fight that it would be um, a tribute to Roman history and so on and so forth. This is the long-running saga where oh, yeah. Mark Zuckerberg, an actual who does actually MMA training, as mm. I understand, you know, proper MMA training, uh, and Elon Musk, who every time Zuckerberg's like, "Okay, let's do it," um, finds a, like an injury or something not to do it. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, Elon Musk said, "Fight on! This is going to happen." I've spoken to these people. Lots of people reported it because that's how journalism works very, very quickly. Yeah. I rang. Italy, just rang Italy. Um, uh, the culture ministry. Is that said, like working your job being beach, ringing yeah, Italy? Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, well, I didn't do it actually. I got I got a friend to do it who speaks better Italian than I do. Uh, and they they talked to the culture minister, and um, it was true in part. But then there were issues where Elon Musk said that all the money, the proceeds would go to veterans, but actually. Yeah, the Italian side had thought that something different had been agreed and also it wasn't going to happen in Rome. So we, we get to the nuance. But basically, you know, it's a good thing in some ways, potentially, if we can't rely as much on Twitter because it means that we will slow down. We'll start to actually probe and check some of these claims. Um, we'll and maybe also... get stories from elsewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, We won't have to just rely on Elon Musk vomiting up whatever he wants to on any given day in order to um, fulfill quotas. So that's the good thing. The bad thing is, um, and this is an issue, you know, we move back again to this conversation that we started with, which was, you know, talking about how I teach my journalism students. We teach them that, you know, social media is a useful tool because lots of people are on there, but also you have to bear in mind lots of people aren't. And the people who are on Twitter are often self-selecting. So it does remove, I think, some of that 
immediate connection to decision makers, to policy makers, to people in power, but also, as you say, maybe it encourages us to diversify ourselves away from that and actually to not believe that Twitter is just um, offline life, because it isn't, because it's a very, very small self-selecting group of people. You have to remember, actually, the user base of Twitter is tiny in comparison to even other social media platforms. And then there are lots of people that you don't connect to if you're not using social media. So good and bad things, but um, I think people will still persist with it. Certainly I will. I mean, I'm, I'm still looking for that life raft off from Twitter, but I still haven't found it because yeah. God help it, isn't it? Right, let's talk about that. I did. I was going to sort of let it go, but let's talk about it quickly. Mm. I really like Threads, which mm. is obviously Facebook Meta's alternative. It's actually via Instagram, but it's a Meta product ultimately. Um, so, well, it's an Instagram product, which is part of Meta. Yeah. Let's be technically correct. Um, I think it looks really nice. It works nicely. It's got... There's two things that haven't worked with it so far. Mm. Uh, one is the long discussed issue of it not being available on the web. Mm. So there's no like threads.com where, you know, like when you went to twitter.com, you could see your tweets. Mm. That is, by the time you listen to the show, that may well have changed because it's happening yeah. this week. Um, first of all, the biggest flaw for me, and this is the thing that keeps Twitter alive and thus far Elon Musk hasn't damaged. Mm. is the second screen experience that Twitter provides is not there on threads. So, for example, watching the Lionesses in the final on Sunday, you turn on Twitter, there's a whole conversation going on about that game, reacting to the game, what's happening in the immediate aftermath. That does not exist on threads yet. Twitter has uniquely placed itself to do that. And that is also important for journalism, we should say, both getting your journalism out and also judging some level of reaction to mm. events. What I find really interesting about it is Twitter still holds that position. Yes. In spite of Elon Musk doing everything he can to try and not have that happen. Because you have to bear in mind a large part of the reason why we see this sort of stuff um, and we kind of you know, congregate around Twitter at key moments in our society, in our lives, is because a lot of work went behind the scenes on the curation team to try and contextualise what Yeah, was I mean, we haven't even had a chance to discuss yeah. the breaking of creation and what that's done to journalism. Yeah, and that's a big issue because that, you know, that kind of added the context around this stuff. So it's similar in a way to the removal of kind of the headlines and things like that mm-hmm. in that it, it, it shares, it kind of removes context from from what you're consuming but you're right in that there is still the opportunity through just the way that the platform works and the network effects of it for the sort of you know trending topics to break through that and actually you know big moments like as you say the women's world cup final last weekend to to kind of still i don't know strong arm their way into the conversation on twitter and yeah you're right the way that threads works both i guess a, a sort of a dearth of users we know that lots of people downloaded it and then haven't stuck around um the the kind of way that it presents content although now you do have a following feed rather than just it's an got better chosen one it's got better but even then still not quite a one-for-one replacement, which is, I think, why we're still all sticking on Twitter for a long being. Yeah, and, and Instagram have not pretended they wanted it to be mm. a like-for-like replacement. They sort of, they've never really claimed that. Uh, of course, one thing that nearly threatened Twitter's uh, play, 
place as this second screen experience that we're talking about was when it put view limits mm. which very on the number of trees you see that very yeah. quietly disappeared yeah. i've not i've not come up against that since so it was that was a couple of weeks ago now as you say what is time but twitter still holds that place and that makes it important still for media and journalism mm. i wonder how long it can hold on to that if more and more stuff like this keeps happening if for example you can't block someone and you're discussing something actually not even controversial i can think of getting horrible tweets back because i've tweeted something about football and some people i mute i tend to prefer muting because it annoys the people <laughs> who have annoyed you more there are some instances where you really do need to block someone and say enough's enough i'm completely cutting you off um that will also have a detrimental effect on journalism if that second screen experience goes mm. It and, it, and if people are increasingly uncomfortable using Twitter for that. It will. And I mean, it's, it's that kind of... To, to, to make it very parochial, very British, and I know that you, know, you have a, an international audience here, but we've just had the, the, the closure, the entrance of administration of like a, a big retailer on the high streets mm. in the UK called Wilco. And, and you know, it, it does kind of give you an example of this in the online world, which is you know, part of the reason that you know, this company this retailer died was because the the shops had no money coming in and therefore they were less and less well kept up they basically ran out of money so they couldn't get a insurance i can't believe we're discussing wilco on the show it's amazing know, I'm, I'm bringing it back to, to basics aren't i so this is this is why you have me on isn't it um they, they they couldn't they couldn't agree you know insurance terms with potential suppliers so therefore they couldn't have enough stock on shelves so basically this thing got into a sort of vicious circle of it became less pleasant for people to go, so therefore fewer people went. Fewer people went, so fewer people bought stuff. Fewer people bought stuff, so they ran out of money, so they couldn't yeah. buy new stuff, and so on and so forth. It does kind of feel a little bit like Twitter is on that downward spiral, but it's not at a huge pace. And I think yes. you know, people. one of the things that Twitter has is it built up a lot of goodwill over the years and it's done a lot of infuriating things but we see it as oh, a... i don't know if it's goodwill i think it's addiction but anyway yeah well yeah it depends on how you feel about it doesn't it in terms of i i choose to not believe i'm addicted to this thing but actually that's nice yeah it helps doesn't it I'm, I'm pleased get me through the day. um and i think that's why it'll still persist for a little bit longer as we're too either thinking kindly of it or addicted to it depending on your point of view and while it persists, journalists will continue to base stories on it, push stories out on it, uh, and try and contact people for stories through it. Chris Stoker Walker, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. Um, I'll call you in three months when something else mental has happened. Sounds good. Uh, where until then, where can people keep up with you? You can find me on X, I mean Twitter, uh, at Stokel. Um until until this ship sinks. And of course you have a couple of books out which i'll link to in the show notes you haven't done a book on twitter yet is that the next one we've got youtube we've got tiktok i didn't have i, I feel like the moment has passed because walter isaacson's doing one isn't he oh yes he's been with that oh, of course he's been with yeah. on. so he's, he's like cornered that market it is pointless to try and compete i think with that yes well we'll link and we'll do affiliate links to chris's book so you can buy the books which are great and you can also support the edition by buying them a little bit so that's all very nice i'm at charlotte a henry on twitter and across 
basically all the other social media platforms. You can find me either at Charlotte A. Henry or at Charlotte A. Henry. Uh, the newsletter is back after the summer break, so make sure you're subscribed at newsletter.theedition.net. The, there'll be blog posts at theedition.net. Thanks once again, Chris, and I'll see you all next week. Thank you.